Repeat after me. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Anyone excited today at Sunday? Come on. Those of you joining us live online, we're so excited that you're joining with us as well as we do continue in our series. And man, talk about that snowstorm. I mean, have you ever seen lightning and thunder in a snowstorm? That was like tripping me out. I was awesome. But man, that was a fun time. Hopefully you all got your power back. And, uh, but man, we are in this series. If for those of you that are just like walking into the room for the first time, we've been walking verse by verse through the, uh, through the letter of 2 Timothy, and we've been relating it to the idea of a balloon. Why would we relate the book of 2 Timothy to a balloon? Well, it's this idea that God's word is breathed out, like literally out of his lungs. So if you just imagine the creator of the universe just going, and then he literally made the scriptures that we now call the Bible, and it's like this balloon uh, that uh, will never go out of style, that will never be popped, never deflate, never added to or taken away. It's a truth, it's an anchor, it's a treasure that we get to hang on to with all that we have. And so today we're going to be talking about the idea of what does it mean for us to exhale more authenticity out of our lives. And when I was thinking about that and I was thinking about balloons and everything, it made me think about this very specific classic movie that all of you know, that all of you have most likely seen. And so I want you to take a look at this clip. Oh, Toto, come back! Toto, Toto! Oh, don't go without me, I'll be right with you. Like a dog! This is a highly irregular procedure. We're off to see the wizard, right? It just feels good, doesn't it? This, this movie, this clip, you know, Dorothy, she put so much faith and hope that this wizard was going to be able to take her home when really all she needed to do is just believe and click her ruby red slippers three times. There's no place like home and she'd be home. And earlier in the movie, as you remember, uh, they put so much, her and her friends put so much effort into this wizard uh, but then they found out when they rolled back the curtain, when Toto, right, rolls back the curtain, that he was a fraud, that he pretended that he had more power than he really did. And so today what we're going to see again, and if you've been on this journey with us, we're going to see again the warning of false teaching. We're going to see Paul reminding Timothy, his, his mentee in the church of Ephesus, to be careful and to roll back the curtain on things that are counterfeit, on things that are false. And so my hope and prayer for all of us is that we would be humble enough and open enough to see maybe where we might need to roll back the curtain on things that might be counterfeit or false or pretend in our own lives. But before we dive into his word, I just want to pray for us together. So Heavenly Father, man, thank you for getting us here today. And I just help us all, no matter where we're at on our journey today, just to be honest and to humble ourselves to roll back the curtain on things that maybe we know are evident, that are blaring. We feel the conviction even walking into the room this morning. Or maybe there's things that we just don't know yet. Rise them to the surface, God. Help us to see them and help us to do something about it. Uh, as always, please get me out of the way. I need your help. Control my, my speech. And uh, we love you. 
And we pray this in the power of your son's awesome, majestic name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, so as always, if you have a copy of the scriptures, please open it up to the book of the letter of 2 Timothy. Um, please grab that journal. Remember, the more you write things down or in your phone, you write things down, it'll help it stick. Because if you're like me, we can be really, really forgetful. Uh, again, remember Paul's writing this while he's literally facing his imminent death before uh, he's, in, he's in prison. He's chained up. And he's writing to Timothy, who's facing a lot of opposition. Uh, he's struggling. He's dealing with the pressures of the church issues. And he's being distracted by all these false teachings that were literally polluting the doctrines of the church. And so that's where we'll pick up. Now, we're going to be starting in chapter 3. We're finally kicking off chapter 3. But if you notice, we're going to verse 6. And some of you have been really following along, which I love seeing. And you're in your journals. You're like, well, what about verses 1 through 5? What happened to verses 1 through 5? We were supposed to go through 1 through 5 on our revival night Friday night, which was canceled by the snow. But don't worry. This Friday night, revival night's back. We're going to be here going through verses 1 through 5. Okay, so come there and we'll, uh, we'll kind of dissect and chew on verses 1 through 5 together. Okay? So turn to the person next to you and say, are you ready? All right, here we go. Verse 6. It says this. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Creep into households. It's kind of creepy if you think about it, right? Someone creeping into your house. Um, now, first thing I want to point out is that it says creep into the households and capture the weak women. And all the women in the room are like, what the heck? I get it. But listen. This isn't saying that men are not weak and vulnerable to false teaching as well. I will raise my hand as the chief man knucklehead who is weak and vulnerable to the false teaching. Do I have any other weak men who are vulnerable out there to false teaching and all that stuff? Okay, just making sure. Okay. But in this time period, this would make a whole lot of sense because of how low of a status women were in the first century. And so they were easy targets. They were very vulnerable, and false teachers would weasel their way in and try to capture their minds and capture their thoughts and take advantage of them in very, very ridiculous ways. And they would promise them quick and easy solutions or temporary fixes, then grabbing their loyalty, their service, and sometimes even their finances that they had. Now, a lot of times when we think about false teaching, we often think about a teacher or a preacher or someone that's on stage with this new phony philosophy trying to let the masses know and say, follow me and my new crazy phony philosophies. That can either be on a physical stage or for those of you watching, uh, that could be on a virtual stage. But when I was reading this, of course that's true. Okay, But when I was reading this, my mind just went to another thought of how when it says, who creep into households and capture the weak, another thing that just popped in my brain was how the false teaching is creeping through our Wi-Fi and our households. How we have allowed the creeping of false teaching to, in a not enough really fast way, but over time in a subtle, slow, desensitizing our minds psychologically when it comes to the things that we have streaming in our households. I mean, think about this. When you think about your grandparents or you think about your great-grandparents and what would be appalling for them for what they would, they wouldn't stream, but what they would watch on the TV 
and to what we tolerate today in our houses. I mean, think about it, right? I mean, when you think about your grandpa or you think about your great-grandfather sitting on the couch and all of a sudden something comes on, he literally has to get up or tell one of you to get up and walk over to that thing and turn it. While today, we have our voice commands. All we have to do is just say something or click something to move it. And so here's a question for you, and here's a question for me that I've been asking all week. What does it take for you to click it off? Write that down. Come on. What does it take for you to click it off, to turn the channel? What does it take for you? And you think about it. I mean, when you think about the classic that we just watched in comparison to the movies that we stream into our homes today. I mean, based on when you think about the language or you think about, uh, you know, the violence or the gender confusion or the sexual morality, it's just all over the place. And I stand before you on this stage humbled and ashamed for the things that I've allowed to watch in my home. And so it's a real question for us to say, okay, when you think about what was appalling 50 years ago, what are you tolerating in your home today. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it. Where might you need to roll back the curtain and say, yeah, why are we allowing this to creep in to our home? What about music? What about the stuff that you're allowing to go into your ears and into your mind, and then it comes out of your mind and out of your mouth? And students, I'm not just talking about you. I'm talking about all of us. I get it. When there's a sick beat, listen, I'm a musician. I love a sick beat. And when you find a good one, it's like, man, you just want to live in that. You're just like feeling it, right? Come on. I get it. I get it. But listen, when those sick beats are filled with the garbage and the pollution, the demeaning of women and the demeaning of men and all the different junk that's out there, listen, there are millions of other sick beats out there that you can find that are Christian and non-Christian that have wholesome messages behind them. Uh, I talked to you a couple weeks ago. I finally, you know, got this Peloton that I'm all excited about. And um, so I was on this workout, and I'm halfway through. And my two little ones are doing cartwheels and stuff in front of me in the basement. And I'm, like, halfway done, and I'm just feeling it, you know. <laughs> and, but then, you know, one of these songs come on the playlist of the instructor, and then they start to mimic some of the derogatory things within the song. And my little kids are looking at me like, Daddy, what's that? Why are they saying that? That's not a good word to say. But what did I do in that moment? I wanted to finish my workout. And I just kept going. I didn't click out like I should have. I didn't turn it down like I should have. I just kept going. And then I had to get off the bike and then explain to my little ones, hey, that wasn't right. I shouldn't have been playing that music, blah, 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 blah. What music are you allowing into the, you know, uh, radio streams of your mind? Uh, Let's talk about this one especially parents in the room. Let's just talk about these devices that we allow our children to have. And it seems like the more I go through life, I feel like the younger and younger I'm seeing little ones with these things in their hands. And I want us to remember that even the creator of this, remember Steve Jobs, he didn't even allow his kids to have his devices that he created, which I thought was kind of interesting. Now listen, I'm not... (laughs) Parents, look it. The tech, raising children in a technological world is no easy task, okay? And I don't have the answers, 
and there's not one right answer to how to manage this whole thing of when should you give your kid a cell phone or when you shouldn't. In our household, I say to my kids, you can have a cell phone when you can pay the bill for a cell phone, like my parents did. Um, you know, again, I'm not trying to say, like, you do what you got to do. Uh, please don't hear me trying to tell you how to parent with your kids with, te- with te- technology. But, man, it is dangerous, right? I'll never forget one of my buddies uh, telling me as he was preparing for me and his kids uh, are teenagers and now they're, you know, graduated. And he said, you're not going to believe it. I was like, what? He said, I walked into my 16-year-old daughter's room at 1030 at night and there was a 20-year-old man in there. What the? How in the heck did you allow a 20-year-old man to creep into your 16-year-old daughter's room? What the heck's wrong with you? And he said, FaceTime. And I literally freaked out thinking of my little babies. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And so, you know, listen, we all have our stuff, but, you know, my kids have their little iPad things or whatever. And we just, you know, a lot of you do the same thing. You know, you have the tower of technology at night. Make sure you never let your kids go to bed with these things by them. Never let them. But here's the thing. I can't tell you what to do, and you got to figure out, because, there's, again, there's no right way to do this. But what I do believe is true is that when we give our kids any piece of technology like this, If we don't put a guardrail of some sort on it, I truly believe it's child abuse of of negligence. I truly do. I truly believe it's like, here's a loaded gun. Have fun and click whatever Lord knows what is going to show up. Come on. We know this. And so I know I'm preaching to the choir, but man, fight. Because parents, I know it's exhausting. And they know the technology better than we do. So I have to constantly, it's like, it drives me nuts because I feel like I finally got it all set and then they figure out another way around it and then I'm not Mr. Tech, so I got to try to figure out a way and it's exhausting, but don't cave. Keep fighting to protect and keep the guardrails of technology within your home. It's so, so, so important to protect their innocence. We have to call out what's creeping. Exhale authenticity. We're going to call out what is creeping, what might be creeping into your Wi-Fi, into the halls of your home. And for those of you that are single in the room, come on. What are you allowing to creep into your home? What are you allowing? What, what is tolerable now that would have been appalling 50 years ago? Let's do something about it. Let's shift. Let's not ignore it. It's so, so important to call it out. Then it continues. We'll keep going. It says this. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. Now, Janus and Jambres, um, there's no mention of them in the Old Testament. You can't find them around the story of Moses. But many, many scholars are in agreement, and so I'm going to kind of go in that direction. Can't prove it, but many scholars are in agreement that Janus and Jambres is representing the two sorcerers that were trying to do uh, the miracles when Moses was doing the miracles when they were trying to lead the Israelites out of slavery. And they were trying to, you know, you know, try to say that they could, you know, duplicate these same miracles, that, that this sorcery power is more powerful than your God's power. And these sorcerers were just like the Wizard of Oz. They were pretend. They were counterfeit. They were phonies. Just enough. They would get just, they would look just enough like it, but then they were straight up phonies. Remember, God told Moses, who was 80 years old at the time, and Aaron, who was around 83 at the time, he told them to go to the stubborn heart, heart and heart of Pharaoh and demand that the Israelites were to be let go out of slavery. 
And God's told them that, listen, he ain't going to listen to you, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to show off my miraculous power through you. And uh, so let me just, let's just go back a little bit into Exodus so you can see a little bit of this story. It's an unbelievable story if you haven't read it before, Exodus chapter 7. It says this, so Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. How cool would that have been, right? He's got a staff, and then it turns into a snake. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men. He says, well, you think you're so powerful. Let me show you about our Egyptian power here. And the sorcerers and the magicians of Egypt also did the same by their secret arts. So they, for somehow, whatever reason, they were able to turn their staff into serpents too. But then check this out. Then it says this. For each man cast down his staff. And they became serpents. But check this out. I love this. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Who's the most powerful one in the room? We know who it is. Still, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. These magicians were imitations. They were imitators, continually blinding the eyes of Pharaoh, trying to minimize God's power with their sorcery power. And then right after that, we know the story continues that God then sends 10 other plagues and these magicians try to replicate them and duplicate them, but they would fall short because they couldn't hold up against the power of God. It reminds me of Michael Jordan. How? I know. Watch. Um, Check this out. So my son is really into Jordans. And so he's, you know, I'm trying to be cool with my son. So now I'm trying to be cool. And that's the only reason why I wear Jordans, uh, to be honest with you. Um, So uh, they look the same, okay? But there's these crazy YouTube videos that my son shows me about how you can tell the difference between a real Jordan and a fake Jordan. There's all these shows about them. I don't understand. But really, the only difference is that they can tell, and you won't even be able to tell from your seat. Some of you Jordan fans know exactly what I'm going to say. But it's the way that this R and D connect. And this is fake because it kind of goes under and it doesn't connect the way that it connects there. And that's how they can tell if it's a real or a fake Jordan. Right? I know. Tell me about it. Um, Some of you are like, man, I wonder if my Jordans are real or not. Yeah, you might want to check. might want to (laughs) check. I bring that up to say, close enough to the real thing to trick you, but far enough to deceive you and steal from you. But what this is talking is way more than stealing shoes. This is about stealing your soul. Oh, the danger of false teaching and the warning that we continually see over and over and over again from the Apostle Paul. I want to go back to the verse here. Let's go to the next one here. Um, Yeah, Um, it says that the men corrupted in mind were disqualified regarding the faith. The word in Greek here, disqualified, is this word called adakimos. Adakimos, and I say that because This word refers to a metal not passing the purification system and then is literally thrown out. I remember watching uh, them working on metals in Greenfield Village, and there was like this really awesome thing that they they were creating, but then something wasn't right, and they literally just threw it away. I was like, that's it? You're done with it? Yeah, it's useless. And remember, Paul is writing to the church, and so he's calling out again how sometimes... There's these phony, fake, counterfeit Christians that are just kind of walking through. And they've even tricked themselves to think that they're actually saved and that they're actually Christians. And so it reminds us that when we exhale authenticity, we need to call out what's counterfeit. Not only do we need to call out what's creeping, but we need to call out 
what's counterfeit if you're taking notes. Now, sometimes in the attempt uh, to be modern, to be cool, to be politically correct, to be nice, to gain control or whatever it might be, sometimes teachers can deny the reality of sin or go soft on it and people's real need for salvation. And then it creates a mental roadblock of truth for people to truly receive. I want to share with you in the remainder of our time, I want to share with you two false truths when it comes to the theology of salvation um, that comes from two different denominations. The first one I want to talk about is from the Baptist theology, which I am and this church is, that we have to be very, very careful of. And then the second one I want to talk to you is from a Catholic example. Now, first I want to say, I want to talk about the Catholic example first. I have many Catholic friends that are saved Jesus-believing Catholics. It all depends on the parish that you go through and the journey that, that you've been through. But I have many great friends that are Catholic. Some of you in this room, you're Catholic. Or some of you are recovering Catholics, just like there's recovering Baptists and recovering Lutherans and whatever, okay? Um, listen, um, but when it comes to the theology of, of, of what the Roman Catholic Church is based on, there's some things in here that are just false teaching that I want to bring up. The first one when it comes to salvation is this. Um, is where they say that babies need to be baptized for salvation. As if a holy God would punish a child that is incapable of making decisions to perish to an eternity of hell. Instilling fear into parents to rush them to get their children baptized. Not to mention it can't just be baptized at any church. It has to be baptized in the Holy Catholic Church. Please, show me. Please, I, sh show me. I've begged my Catholic friends, show me where that's at because I can't find that. But what I can find is when Jesus said in Matthew 19, let the little children come to me. And do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. As if pouring water over a child's head would make or break their eternal fate. To me, that's blasphemous to the character of a holy, loving God. Now listen, if you use you know, water to dedicate a child, fine. If, if you want to do that, you can do that. Here at Miles City, we don't do that. We have baby dedication in the same sense. But that's all about just dedicating. That's for us as parents. And it does affect the children if we as parents actually take it seriously to raise our children into the ways of the Lord. But then it continues into adulthood when it comes to salvation, that not only having your baptism as part of your salvation, which is misleading and dangerous, but then it goes on to talk about other tedious tasks, grace, faith, good works, participation in the sacraments, not to mention many other papal and Canaan laws that have been passed down through time. Good luck remembering all that they are. And so here's what happens, sadly, to a lot of my good Catholic friends. I ask them, when you die, what happens to your soul? And they'll tell me, well, hopefully I will be with Jesus. And I said, okay, well, when you die and you're at the pearly gates, why would God, why would Jesus let you in? And almost every time, this is what I hear. 
And if you were a Catholic or you're a Catholic now, I'm actually going to read your mind. Why would God let you in? Well, because hopefully I was a good enough person. And that is a theological, dangerous roadblock that you have been fed. And the sad thing is, is that many of my Catholic friends believe everything. You believe. I mean, some of you sitting here, you believe. You believe that, that Jesus is God. You believe in the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You know that you're a sinner. You believe that. You own that. You believe that Jesus died for your sin and he's the only one who could cancel the debt. You believe that he rose again three days later. You believe it all. But yet you're still trapped in this trickery, this earthly trickery from the enemy that you still have to earn it, that you still have to work your way to it. Listen. If this was a cross, this was the cross of Christ. It's never about working for the cross. You can't. You can never work enough to earn the cross. You can't. It's almost like Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Listen to this. It's almost like it's been just like taken out. But for by grace you have been saved through the faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of your works, so that no one may boast. And so I want to put this next slide up. We do not work for the cross. Once we receive the cross as a gift, now we work from the cross. But some of you are trapped over here, trying and trying and trying to be enough, and you'll never be enough. Only Jesus is enough. You're trying to earn what you can do, but it's only what he can do. Stop being blinded by false teachings. Now, from my Baptist theology, from my Baptist studies and seminary and upbringing and everything, Here's the other danger. And if we have contributed as a church, I repent before holy God. I'm sorry if I've ever made someone believe this. But sometimes in the Baptist theology, people can say, I flippantly rose my hand or I casually said a prayer of belief and then I just move on with my life like nothing ever happened. And you're basing your eternity based on a casual prayer of faith and a flippant raise of a hand that we do every single time here at Miles City at the end of a service. If there is no evidence of the fruit of the changed life in you and you're just basing it off of emotion, stop. Stop that. That is counterfeit. Faith. Yes, you'll never be enough. You'll never, you'll never arrive. But once you receive the gift, remember, we are not just flippantly raising our hand. We are not just casually saying a prayer. We are bowing our allegiance to a master. We are now owned by him. We, we are surrendering in faith, saying, I, listen, I don't understand it all, but I do know that I need you and I put my faith in you as the only one to save me from myself and the penalty of sin. 
if now if you've done that, then you rest assured in confidence as you've received that free gift and now you walk from the cross with confidence, knowing that nothing can snatch you away from the Father's hand. But please, if you've just casually, yeah, I guess I'll just believe and then just do whatever I want. Come on. Don't fall into that false teaching. I beg you. I beg you. Last verse. But they, false teachers, referring to Janice and Jambres at this time, but they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. Even though they will cause much turmoil, even though they will lead many astray, they will not get very far, they will not make much progress, because their plastic and their fakeness will be revealed by people that truly know and are following the truth. But be reminded, Jesus follower, that we are in a spiritual warfare, and before it gets better, it's going to get worse. It's just true. It's just going to happen because Jesus told us that. Remember, Mark 13, 22, you can write this down, Mark 13, 22, Mark 13, 22. Until the Lord's return, false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show signs and wonders in order, if possible, to lead the elect astray. I always say it, the enemy's greatest weapon is religion itself. So we must be on guard and we must test every message to make sure it holds to God's truth. We must be on guard and protect ourselves from the attacks. And so, how do we exhale authenticity? We're reminded today in the letter that we need to call out what's creeping. Come on, be real. Where might you need to pull back the curtain on some things in your life that you've allowed to creep into your life, that you've allowed to creep into the Wi-Fi and the airstreams of your home? Call it out. Do something about it. Make a move on it. I beg you, listen to the Holy Spirit today. Conviction upon your heart of where you might need to make a shift. And then call out what's counterfeit. Call out what's counterfeit. And uh, we'll close with this. You know, I don't, only, listen, only you know if, if your faith is counterfeit or not, if your faith is real or not. And I hope you know the place of me saying this is, is out of audacious care and love. If, if, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. I feel like every other day I get a phone call of someone leaving this earth. We're not guaranteed tomorrow, and I don't say that to scare you, but come on, we all know we're gonna leave this earth, and it's true, we're all gonna leave this earth, and it's not just ceasing to exist. We all step into eternity, either in a place of pain or a place of paradise. And there's no in-between, there's no purgatory. It doesn't exist, it's not in here. And so have you made it right with God? Have you been working so hard your whole life as a good, good Catholic to be right into the presence of your God? Stop. Stop this exhaustion. Stop this weight. Remove that weight from you and just step in. You already know all the stuff and, and believe the stuff. Now just receive the gift. Receive the gift of Jesus. And for those of you that have just maybe received the gift casually, 
but it wasn't really true surrender. Why? Why? If it's not real, then make it real today. And I wanna give you that opportunity right in this moment. And so everyone, just bow your heads, every eye closed and every head bowed. And if that's you, if you're like, you know what? Today, I don't know what's going on, but I feel like the curtain's been rolled back in my life. And I don't really know if my faith is real, but today I wanna truly surrender. I wanna stop working for the cross and I wanna work from the cross today. If that's you, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna call you out. But not flippantly, I'm gonna ask you to boldly in surrender on the count of three to raise your hand and say, I wanna believe and surrender my life to Jesus for real today. For the first time, this is real for me today. I'm gonna count to three. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I won't call you out, but I want you to boldly raise that hand, not flippantly, but boldly. One, two, three. I wanna surrender my life to Jesus today. Put your hand up. Amen, 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 amen. Who else? I see you in the back as well. You in the back. I see you right here, my friend. I see you in the front. I see you over there. Holy smokes, praise the Lord, you're not alone. You can put your hands down. Jesus followers, real Jesus followers, please pray right now for how God is working. So if that's you, I want you to just make this real. A real conversation to your creator who loves you so much. Just say this. Just say, Father, here I am. I'm rolling back the curtain today. I'm vulnerable today. I'm taking the pride away today. And today I receive you. I receive the free gift of grace. No more trying to earn it. for me, proving you are God. In this moment, I receive you, Jesus, to be my king. I receive you, Jesus, to be my master. I receive you, Jesus, to be my savior. My friend, as we continue to pray, if you really meant that for real, rest in the truth that now you will no longer perish but now you will have everlasting life and your life truly begins today Heavenly Father thank you thank you for the gift of your grace thank you for never giving up on us, thank you for being our shield thank you for being the lifter of our heads, Psalm 3 We love you and we pray this in the power of your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Can we please, as a church family, rejoice with the angels in heaven for those who have put their faith in the almighty God. Amen. Amen. 
My friends, if you, when you made that decision today, when you made it real today, now I beg you to do one more thing. Tell someone of your decision. Let them know of the truth of this moment that has happened in your life. Do not walk alone. Do not walk alone. You can text the word on the screen to let us know or just grab us or the person that you came with. We want to celebrate with you and we want to begin to answer questions as you continually move towards God.